Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm on a journey to get better in all areas of life, from wellness and mental health to career and relationships and so much more. I know getting better isn't easy, but it's a whole lot easier when you can do it together. Welcome to Better Together with me, Maria Menunos. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to Better Together. When you know better, you get better. Oh, man. Happy hump day, everybody. Man. Time is flying. Our quote of the day, chasing meaning is better for your health than trying to avoid discomfort. And that is from our guest, Kelly McGonigal. I'm so excited. She is a New York Times bestselling author, popular health psychologist. She has done a lot of work on stress, a lot of research. Her TED Talk is some 25 million views. And you're going to be so surprised at what she says today and what we're going to learn. I'm very excited. Uh, she talks a lot about willpower, something few of us seem to have in life, uh, and how we can make stress our friends. So here we go. Um, thank you, as always, for joining us. If you haven't joined our Patreon, please do. Um, we will make it worth your time. So click the link in the summary. 
Uh, I believe if you go to the link in my bio on Instagram, you can get there as well. So let's do this. Like, why did we get there? (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Kelly McGonigal is one of the most frequently cited inner conflict psychologists working today. New York Times bestselling author, Stanford professor. She's revolutionized research around stress. And her TED Talk, like I said, has uh, over 25 million views. Oprah Magazine named her the first O visionary. Hey, now. Hmm. Uh, She says that simply shifting our mindset around stress can have dramatic consequences on our physical and mental health. You're going to die when you hear this. And today she's going to help us reprogram our relationship with stress. So Dr. Kelly McGonigal joins us from Northern California. How are you? I'm doing great. And it is so great to be here and so wonderful to meet you. Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, I have to ask first about how the fires are. I mean, is it near you? Is the quality of air really challenging right now? It is near me. Uh, I'm maybe a couple of miles away from an evacuation zone. I've been really lucky. We're just dealing with the air quality, which is which is not great, but I do have family who are, you know, packed with their go bags in a, a much more threatened um, evacuation zone. So, you know, it's just, it's another one of those sources of stress that we have no control over. It seems like that is what the world is asking of us these days to figure out a way to deal with it. Yeah. It's like compounding stressor after stressor after stressor. Um, well, I hope everything um, turns out okay for your family and for all of the families up there. I, I saw one of the fires had been 70% contained. Um, so hopefully that will um, end soon. But when you talk about that, and this is what you do for a living, how do you guide those family members to make stress their friend when they have to pack their bags and leave their home and not know whether they're going to go back to it? That is such a great question. So let me tell you, if if I started to give a lecture to my family members about why stress is good for you and how you can get good at it, I think they would hang up uh, and be <laughs> like, don't want to hear that right now. It's actually, so there's a really big difference between um, like when we're thinking about how to help ourselves and we'll talk about all these mindset resets that you can do versus when you're trying to be there for someone else. And that's when the mindset reset, like you do it within internally And then you just try to show up and support. So, you know, when I'm talking to my family members and we also, we recently had a death of a, in the family about a week ago. And there's that extra stress of there's no funeral. There are family members across the country who can't be with one another. I can't be with the family members who are um, most devastated by this loss. And uh, again, it's in those circumstances, people don't want to hear, oh, stress could be good for you. What they want is for you to have a presence where you can hold your own feelings of worry and stress and anger and overwhelm and make room for something else, like how much you care about your family member or how you believe in their strengths and their capacity to get through this and your willingness to try to help them. You know, that's that's a mindset that really is about making room for reality and then looking for not so much the good in the situation, but the good in us, the good in others and the good in our community that we can draw on that stress often points us to, or that stress reminds us um, that we sometimes need to tap into. Wow. I never thought about it 
like that, where it's less about kind of giving them these tools and all of that in that moment and more about you giving them space to not have your baggage because we all have our stresses and our stuff. Um, it's about you knowing what your role is in that moment. I like that. That's such a great way to put it. I mean, so, um, a lot of my research has been on compassion and why it's difficult sometimes to help people we care about, um, because we get our own stress and we see other people suffering and we see other people in pain and stressed out. Um, it's natural if we care that stress that their suffering is going to be a little bit contagious. And then we have our own stress response to deal with, our own emotions to deal with. So a big part of what it, what it means to be good at stress is to find a way not to then make it their job to help you reduce your stress, that you've found tools for accepting your stress, um, letting the stress remind you what matters most. Um, if your heart is pounding, like I like to say, okay, this means my heart is in it. Okay, so I don't need to like calm down or tell other people I can't deal with their stress right now and don't put it on me. I just think my heart is pounding because I care. My heart is in it and, uh, and choose to turn my attention to how I can help or how I can connect. Wow. I love that. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about the research around stress. It's what you led your Ted talk with. And I think for the benefit of the audience who hasn't seen it, it's so cool. Um, and so I'd love for you to explain that. Yeah, so this was a study. So let me preface this by saying I, I'm a health psychologist. So I was always taught that stress was the number one enemy. And if you want to be happy and healthy, you have to avoid stress. Like there is no alternative, um, which can be a pretty big, like if you think about that as your task in life, that's a pretty hard challenge to take on to avoid stress. Um, but it seemed like that's what, you know, we knew from medicine and psychology, stress is bad, avoid stress it, kills. reduce it. So, I, so I've been out there as a health psychologist teaching people that, talking about that. And then um, in 2011, right when I was in the middle of teaching my science of stress class at Stanford, this study was pre-published that totally rocked my world because this, this was a study that followed about 30,000 adults in the United States. And at the beginning of the study, they asked them um, how stressful was the past year and they wanted to know, is it true? When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. <laughs> and that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. Does stress kill? So they were planning on following these people for the next decade to find out if you have a really stressful life, are you more likely to die by the end of the decade? Um, but they also inserted this interesting question I'd never seen before in any of the research. They asked them, do you believe that stress is harmful for your health? 
So they had those two different questions. How stressful is your life? And do you believe that stress is harmful? And then they followed people for a decade. And so what they found is that for some people, having a very stressful life increased their risk of dying by, I think it was something like 43%. But that was only true for the people who at the beginning of the study also said they strongly believed that their stress was harmful for their health. And the people in the study who had the most stress but didn't strongly believe that stress was harmful, they were actually the most likely to be alive at the end of the decade. So it was this really weird paradox. For some people, having a stressful life seemed to increase their risk of dying. For other people, having a very stressful life seemed to increase their longevity. And there was something about what we now call stress mindset that was interacting with stress. Now, this was uh, you know, an epidemiological study. So you can't, you can't uh, necessarily say for sure what this study proves is that if you think stress is bad for you, then you're more likely to die. Um, but it, the reason that this study stood out to me is it suggested that how we think about stress and how we talk about stress can be at least as important as whether or not you're able to achieve some stress-free life. And since most of us cannot achieve a stress-free life, especially now, mm -hmm. um, the idea that how you think about stress, that you could find a way to think about stress that reduces the harmful effects of stress. For me, that was so empowering. And that was just the first of so many studies. So now it's a decade later, and there's been so much research um, really supporting this stress mindset effect, that there are ways of thinking about stress that can help you avoid some of the most harmful effects, and that can also help amplify some of the positive effects of stress. Hey, Hill Squad and Better Together fam. It's been a tough year, but we hear from so many of you just how much our content is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. Our team works so hard to deliver this life-changing content, and a lot of you guys ask, how can I have a bigger role in our Heal Squad community, or how can I do my part to help Better Together continue to uplift even more people? First of all, thank you for that sentiment, and we're so grateful for this community. If you could help us by giving us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts. That's amazing. Second, you could join the Better Together with Maria Menuno's Facebook group and Instagram page. Third, you could share the show with a friend in need. And finally, for as little as $10 a month, please join our Patreon to get monthly live heal events with world-class healers, ad-free episodes of our show, and even weekly bonus episodes exclusive to Patreon. Getting better isn't easy, but it is a whole lot better when we can do it together. We love and appreciate and are so grateful for all of you. So I just want to make sure everybody understood the people who had very stressful lives but believed it was harmful died. <laughs> well, they were more likely to die, yeah. <laughs> at a higher rate than those who didn't. Yeah. Yeah. And there are other studies. There's also been studies showing that the same was true for cardiovascular disease over two decades. In other studies, you see findings like people are at increased risk for, um, for depression, for getting sick in times of stress, for getting burnt out in the workplace, that there's a way of thinking about stress that I'll, I'll basically, I'll put it like this. If you believe that stress is always harmful, if you believe that stress is a toxic state, and as soon as you find yourself feeling stressed, like in that moment when you're saying, this is so stressful, or you feel that muscle tension or whatever's going on in your body. And your immediate thought is, this is wrong. This shouldn't be this way. And I'm now in a state of mind and body that is 
pure poison. That mindset amplifies all the negative effects that we usually associate with stress. And the mindset that seems to really help people reduce that and be more likely to experience meaning when life is stressful or joy when life is stressful or personal growth when life is stressful. The mindset isn't, please make me suffer more. Please bring on more horrible stress in my life. The mindset is, Stress is what happens in my mind and body when something that I care about is at stake. Mm -hmm. It's human. It's normal. It is not a sign that I am ill-equipped to handle my life. It's not a sign that I'm a terrible parent or I'm not up to this job or I should just give up now. It's a sign that I care. And my body and brain are trying to get me to pay attention to what matters. And my body and brain are also trying to help me. Even the parts of stress I don't like, like a racing heart or feeling lonely and wanting to connect with others. All of those symptoms are really just your body and brain trying to push you toward coping strategies that can help you. And to recognize that and, and to say in this moment, I'm going to focus on what I can do, what I can choose, who can support me, and the meaning that I can choose to make out of this. Mm. That's the mindset that really seems to be the, the most useful mindset towards stress. So stress is a sign that I care. That's the quote. Yeah. Well, because you don't have you don't have a stress response to something that you don't care about. And one of the other pieces of research that I like to share with people is um, that when you ask people how meaningful is your life, like just is your life meaningful, and then you measure stress all sorts of different ways, that people who are more likely to say their life is meaningful also report higher levels of stress. It's it's one of like the the Why? strong link. Because think about, so what are the biggest sources of stress in your life? If you were to, to think about, you know, when you go throughout the day, when are you likely to feel stressed or what are you likely to worry about? My parents' I mean, health and all of yeah. that. Yeah. It's because Yeah. So your loved ones, your family, yeah. maybe your job, maybe your health. And what we know is that people who have more meaningful roles, so they are, they feel like they're of some use in the world, have meaningful goals. They're things they care about. They want to change themselves or change the world. Um, people who have meaningful relationships, they have more stress in their lives because stress, as I said, it is a natural human response when something that you care about is at stake. And uh, in fact, there's some really interesting research that although we, we sometimes use the word stress synonymously with things like depression, that actually people who are profoundly depressed have uh, like a, a super inhibited stress response system. Their body and brain are like, eh, what's the point? That there's a sort of a lack of that drive, that sense that not only like that I care and there's something that I can do. And I think that that's worth remembering that in those moments when we're feeling stress, I don't think, I don't think most people enjoy it. I mean, there is such a thing as good stress you know, but I think most of the times when we say we're stressed, we're not thinking like this is exhilarating stress, like the stress of falling in love or no, most of us are like this moment sucks. But at the same time, that moment is often linked to our values and what we care about. Mm -hmm. And it is an expression of who we are. And uh, if we, and if you're getting stressed out about a lot of things where that's not true, like that's a whole different conversation. If yeah. the biggest source of stress in your life right now is, you know, getting irritated at some minor behavior that someone is doing and you're creating a whole story about that. That's different. Yeah. We're or talking, if you're in like a toxic, people, if you're in a toxic work environment, you know, that's something to identify and say, yeah. 
And you know, know. sometimes stress is telling you this is not acceptable. Sometimes Mm -hmm. I think people think that what it means to be good at stress is to be like Teflon and you can put up with anything, but often stress is like, you know what? You're worth more than this. There are alternate versions of your life available to you. And I'm going to stress you out until you have the courage to leave. Um, And again, you know, the the better we get at listening to stress as a signal, the, the better we get at being able to leverage stress before we're totally overwhelmed by it. Wow. You know, when you talk about it, it, it reminds me, you know, just the whole notion of, of, you know, it's the fact that they believe it's harmful, right? Um, I remember when I was dealing with my brain tumor and I was, you know, figuring stuff out, Tony Robbins and I were on the phone and he was like, honey, whatever decision you make, he goes, just remember what you believe will be. And it stuck with me because he's so right. We have such powerful brains and you study the brain. So I'd be, you know, even more interested to know what all of that kind of looks like in, in your brain, but what you believe will be. So how do we utilize that knowledge to live a better life? Is it just your language? Is it your beliefs? Is it like, how do we use that? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the the ways that I think about this is it's not magic. So it's not like if I just think something, I can make it so. You know, the reason that these particular mindset effects are so powerful is because your mind is is in your body and your body is connected to your mind. So every time you have a thought or an emotion, it is going to lead to a cascade of changes in your brain chemistry and in your hormones. It's just like, that's a fact. And so when we see these mindset effects, it's not like wishful thinking. It's that in a moment, so let's say, let's take a, a, a less severe example. Let's say you're feeling anxious about something. Um, you're about to have a conversation that's really important to you, but you're also feeling some self-doubt. So we know that in that moment, when you're feeling anxious, there are changes happening in your body and your brain that a lot of people fear. So their heart might be pounding. They feel their blood pressure rising. Mm-hmm. They're feeling tense. Uh, their stomach might be churning. And it turns out that if in that moment you interpret those sensations as a sign that you can't handle this, it actually begins to shift what's happening in your brain and your body towards more of a threat response, which will make you less confident, less capable of connecting with others, um, more defensive. It will increase inflammation in your body in a way that's not healthy. It starts to change the balance of your stress hormones in a way that's less healthy, not because you're anxious, but because you have this relationship to your anxiety where you view the anxiety as a threat. And then the whole situation that's that's triggering the anxiety as a threat. Mm -mm. If instead you view that anxiety as a sign that you care, that this is a moment that matters and you just accept it, you can actually see changes in the brain and in the body that give you more confidence, that make you better able to connect with other people, that change your body language, that change your ratio of stress hormones, that reduce inflammation, that relax your blood vessels, that give you emotions like courage and hope. And and again, it's that mind. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past. But as you know, I am focused 
on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. said, Again, it's not magic. It's because by telling yourself it's okay that I'm anxious, you're creating a whole different framework for understanding the experience you're having that allows you to perform your best, to to rise in a moment that matters. And there are examples like that for like every type of stress you can imagine. There's often a way of thinking about it that it doesn't fix necessarily the situation, but it creates a different reality because it changes who you are in that moment. And then you feel different, you act different, the world experiences you differently, and you begin to create that different reality. Whoa. That's incredible. I feel like I want to give you an example for people out there who are like, okay, I don't know how to apply it to this. So um, yesterday, I was in an acupuncture appointment. And the second I lay down on the table, I was like, oh, this is amazing. I may never be able to get up. The aromatherapy starting. I was like, this is awesome. Needles go in. Therapist walks out and this terrible rush of anxiety rushes. And it was like someone was like manhandling my chest and it was crippling. Now I went from so happy and relaxed and calm and he's lifting my hand to like put the needles in And I was just like, oh my Lord, I feel so good to having to count sheep, to trying to, I I kept telling myself all is well, everything's fine. This is good, blah, blah, blah. I could not shake it. What would you do in that moment to reverse engineer what's happening or, or get rid of it? Yeah. Well, so the first thing I would say is you kind of have to abandon the goal of getting rid of it. I mean, that's part of what makes this mindset really powerful is that it is about meeting the moment as it is and making room for whatever is unfolding. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my first thought as you were describing that is the idea that you were saying to yourself, well, everything is fine. Everything's okay. I mean, yeah, maybe in the smaller context of that moment, right in that room, you could, you could have that perspective on that moment. And also right now, the world is in crisis and chaos. And you may be dealing with things in your own life that are difficult beyond what's going on with the pandemic and politics and all of that. So sometimes I think that when we, when we meet these waves of stress, of difficult emotions, of anxiety, it's actually, it's like really important in a way almost like to not gaslight yourself, that it's okay if you have these surges of strong emotions and feelings, because life is challenging. And sometimes when we feel most safe and most um, either supported or protected, that's when emotions that maybe are scary to feel are, are likely to show up. You know, so for example, I also teach meditation and yoga. 
And I can't tell you how many people go to something like a yoga class or sit down to meditate thinking it's going to calm them down and get rid of their stress. And then halfway through the practice, they're overwhelmed by grief or suddenly they're thinking about something that they were worried about, but they've been trying to suppress mm. because in that moment, when you start to feel connected to support or to, to comfort or your own strength, as maybe you were in that, that acupuncture session, your body and mind are like, Hey, like, remember this other stuff. This <laughs> is also true. And maybe like now you're in the place where you can deal with it. I mean, I don't know that that was necessarily yeah. what was happening, yeah. but I feel like so in that moment, the goal isn't necessarily to push it all away and convince yourself that there's nothing wrong. Um, I can tell you what the, the tools that I tend to use in moments like that. One is to turn to my breath as a, a resource, because for me, as somebody who is trained in yoga and meditation, I have learned to have a relationship with breathing where it, it centers and grounds me. Now, other people may have relationships to other things like prayer or thinking about a family member. Um, but the idea that you can turn to something that feels like a resource in that moment, that just grounds you or centers you or connects you to something bigger than yourself. And then if I, you know, if I were having that sort of wave of anxiety, I will often think about other people in the world who are also feeling something like this, which can seem like a really bad idea in, until you're in the moment of it. But to think about like the countless other people right now who are dealing with uncertainty about their health or about their loved ones, that there's so many people who know what this feels like right now. And this, this actually connects me to a part of what it means to be human. And then I start imagining that I could breathe out compassion and strength and hope to everyone else who's feeling the way that I am right now. And the reason why this is one of my favorite coping strategies when I feel overwhelmed, when I can't sleep at night, for example, is because it's both consistent with my values. I'd like the idea of, of being compassionate towards others and caring and helping. So it's, mm -hmm. it's consistent with how I view my, my best self. And also we know that when you um, shift to a mindset of caring for others, it actually changes what's happening in your brain in a way that can increase courage, can activate the reward system, which makes you feel more motivated and more optimistic. It changes what's happening in your hormones in a way that's good for your immune system. So it's almost like good medicine. And, uh, and I feel like, you know, if we were to have a much longer one-on-one -on -one conversation, I would be really curious what your version of that would be. Both what is a, like a centering practice for you, like I turn to the breath, and also what could you think about in that moment that feels like it's consistent with your values and lets you connect to the part of yourself that expresses like who you want to be in a difficult moment? Wow. You're so good. <laughs> you're such a good, you're really good at articulating everything and just, there's so many kind of ahas every time we're going along. Like, wow. Um, well, you know what, can I, so I really appreciate that. And one of the things that I like to point out is because sometimes when people hear about my work, like the upside of stress they think that I'm an optimist. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like people have ideas that, oh, maybe she's come to this work because she's such a positive person. And, you know, I come to this work because I have whatever genetic tendencies there are to anxiety, depression, and despair. I've got them. Um, and also uh, I've experienced chronic pain since I was a little kid. So I, I sort of live with the experience of, of um, what it's like to not be able to get rid of something that seems like it's destroying the quality of your life in that moment. And those are the two things that I have really driven me to this work. 
So um, it's, it's easy for me to get passionate about it because I feel like a big part of my life has been trying to navigate how these ideas um, like work at a very practical level for to allow me to, to like show up. I love that. I mean, that's why I do this show every day is because I want to get better along with everybody. So I feel like you're doing the same thing. You have been studying something to help yourself and you're sharing that knowledge to help other people. So now my biggest question is, is there are so many people dealing with chronic pain. How have you used the techniques that you've studied to help yourself so that we can share that with everybody else? Yeah. So I really think there are two ways that I have coped with that. And by the way, let me just say, sometimes when you talk about things like chronic pain or chronic illness in public ways, I don't know if you've had this experience, you get like a bazillion emails like, oh, you just need to try this one thing. Yeah. Or we'll not even, we won't even go there. Or you hear, you have no idea I'm in more pain. Like I've had the (laughs) comparisons and stuff. So if you can give us a little bit of insight into what you've been dealing with so people can relate, that would be helpful. Yeah. So um, I, the way that I like to describe it is I have a nervous system that generalizes what other people might experience as like nuanced hunger and fatigue. My nervous system seems to treat pain as like the the thing to produce when my energy is low or when, uh, you know, I'm upset about something or I haven't eaten in a while. My my whole nervous system just like it, it produces pain. And that's its kind of default response rather than like, I'm not, I'm not as likely to say I'm hungry or I'm tired. It's just, it's, it's pain becomes more pronounced. And that's been true since I was a little kid. And, uh, and so I've learned so the, sort of the two ways to think about it. I've learned techniques that actually work on that, that reduce that. Things like yoga and mindfulness and, uh, and changes in my diet and changes in my lifestyle that are really effective at actually reducing my daily experience of pain so that I can like, so there's that. And that's, that's the kind that I'm not really you know, qualified to talk about because I'm not a doctor. So there's all of that stuff, but then there's also the mindset stuff. And I will say that, you know, the things that I'm actually more qualified to talk about from the psychology world, two things that have made the biggest difference to me. One was accepting that my life doesn't have to wait for this problem to go away. That, there's not some sort of alternate reality of my life waiting for me as soon as I devote all of my energy and resources to eliminating the experience of pain, which is, of course, with people who have chronic pain, that's the great hope that one day. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way. 
T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the way. T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com. Promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. It's all going to be gone. And if you know anything about chronic pain, most people don't ever get to that experience. So giving up that idea and deciding that there is room in any given moment for pain and other emotions like gratitude and enthusiasm. It's like what you learn is to create a mindset that's big enough to hold things that feel like opposites. Um, that And that is so, it's so funny because I mean, the first book that I wrote was about chronic pain. I've worked with people with pain for, you know, for a long time in the mindfulness and yoga communities. I had this down with pain, but somehow I didn't believe it was true for stress. I'd been so indoctrinated by like, the idea that stress is always harmful in the enemy but here I was making peace with pain, making room for it to exist, um, being able to find gratitude and joy and meaning, even in the presence of pain. And I still was convinced that that wasn't possible for stress, that stress was just mm. so intrinsically toxic. You had to like get away from that experience. Um, so that mindset has been really helpful to make room. And the other has been the idea of um, that I mentioned of using the experience as a way of deepening empathy with others. So, you know, for example, like I'm in a little bit of pain right now. It's, it's not interfering with my ability to, to have this conversation with you, but it's present. And most people wouldn't know that. Like most people watching this wouldn't look at me and think, oh, I bet she's got like this claw of pain coming over her face and into her head. Uh, it's invisible. And so what mm, I learned really I early- when people are like, um, people are like, oh, you're not really sick. There's nothing wrong with you. And yet I knew my direct experience was, well, I'm feeling this. So I knew from being a little kid that people can have suffering that's invisible to others. And you don't know what people are carrying. And to have that, that awareness from so young has become like a, it's a real, it's a real source of strength that I turn to. So that when I walk into any room, I can actually connect to that deep knowing that I don't know what pain people are carrying. I don't know who in this room is dealing with grief. I don't know who in this room is struggling with addiction. It could all be invisible to me and yet really a, a big part of what they're experiencing right now. And so that's another mindset that has been really useful for me that is separate from the idea of like, Eliminating dairy helped. Great. That's a very practical tool. And also using my own experience of pain as a way to understand the, the common humanity yeah. has been, I don't know, like that's for me, that's even better than getting rid of dairy. <laughs> dairy got rid of more pain than, than the common humanity, but the common humanity brings me much more sense of meaning and purpose in life. So I wonder, is the dairy thing an, um, uh, kind of a uh, Thing that a lot of people do, or is it just in your kind of, you know, body's chemistry that it's yeah, made a difference? I don't know. I mean, that's the, so the, the, one of the things that I love about being trained as a psychologist is this idea that you can experiment and pay attention to the data. And so a lot of the things that I've done in my life that have improved my well-being are things that I treated like experiments, like let's just see. So, you know, another, for example, people often vilify caffeine. I've got my wonderful cold brew with me right now. In my experience, caffeine does nothing but help. And giving it up for years didn't do anything to help me. 
And, uh, and so I really encourage people to actually treat their, their direct experience like an experiment. Mm-hmm. And you can take ideas from a lot of different sources, but you have to learn how to trust your own body as well. We talk about that here every day. Mm-hmm. It's so individual. That's why I asked that question mm-hmm. like that, because nothing is one size fits all, right? Yeah, Dairy may, may be good to remove from your diet, but not for someone else. So absolutely. Wow. Um, so yeah, I want to talk about willpower before, um, before I forget, because a lot of your work centers on willpower and I want you to help us define it and then tell us how we can get more of it. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay. Here's how most people define willpower, forcing yourself to do something you don't want to do or not allowing yourself to do something that you want to do. So like, no, that's not my definition because I'm not here to like should and shame people. I define willpower as it is about being able to make choices that are consistent with your highest goals and values, yours, even when it's difficult and even when some part of you doesn't want to. So, you know, to give a a simple example, this morning, my alarm goes off. I have a commitment to exercising first thing in the morning because I know it changes my brain chemistry. Mm -hmm. It reduces my anxiety. It's good for me in so many ways. So I have a commitment to that. And every morning when I wake up, some part of me is like a big part of me, a loud part is like, I don't want to do this. I'm tired. I don't have any energy yet. So I don't want to do something that takes energy. And so willpower is about being able to find the energy, the focus, the commitment to make the choice that is aligned with your goals and values and to accept that even when something matters deeply to us, there's almost always some part of us that resists it or that is afraid or that has self-doubt or has some conflicting desire. And so willpower is like getting to know the different parts of yourself and finding a way to make peace with all of them while still supporting yourself in the direction of your aspirations. I love it. My alarm went off this morning too. And I was like, hell no. But then I said, okay, I've been feeling a little bit stressed lately and some anxiety. This is going to help me. I know that movement is going to make a big difference. And for people who don't know kind of, you know, physiologically and neurologically why movement is so important, will you share that? Oh, yes. I mean, I am so passionate about this. Um, At the most basic level, if you go from not having moved in a while to moving for as little as three minutes, it increases energy and it increases optimism, primarily by increasing adrenaline and dopamine. So you don't have to break a sweat for you to get this change in your brain chemistry and your hormones. Literally doing anything that gets your heart rate up a little bit, that uses some energy in muscles, any part of your body, you're gonna get this increase in adrenaline and dopamine that makes you feel more motivated, more energized, more hopeful, more confident. And again, like anything works. But then if you go beyond that a little bit to like the 20 minute mark, um, something magical seems to happen in the brain where you get an increase in endocannabinoids, the brain chemicals that cannabis mimics. But when it happens through exercise, uh, it's a little bit different than cannabis. It endocannabinoids enhance motivation and energy and pleasure and really dial down anxiety, stress, anger, rumination. Um, and when you, when you access this through exercise, 
it can lead to a really profound reset in, in your mindset. And um, endocannabinoids also make it easier to connect with other people. And at sort of at natural levels, they really like everything from how good it feels to make eye contact with someone, to share a meal with someone, to have a conversation with someone, it all feels better and more natural. And so this is one of the reasons why I like to start my day with exercise because, you know, people like me, I love that you said when you woke up, your first thought was hell no. <laughs> I know that there are some people who wake up in the morning and their first thought is, oh, what a glorious morning. That is not me. I mean, I have the <laughs> expletives in my head, you know, when alarms go off, we all have different temperaments. Yeah. And my default temperament is not necessarily joy and connection and, and all of that, but exercise, it just creates such a powerful shift. And again, the thing that I want to emphasize for folks is that this is whatever you can do in the body that you have. So, um, you know, it's not about you have to run, you have to lift weights, you have to dance, you have to do yoga. It's whatever part of your body can move in a way that, uh, that gets your heart rate up, that gets you breathing and engaged with life. It all has the same effect on what's happening in your brain. I love that. It's actually a really great note for me when I'm talking to my mom and I'm trying to inspire her to move. Um, she has uh, brain cancer, and so she's become less and less mobile. But if I tell her the stats on the three minutes, mm -hmm. um, you know, because you get depressed and then it's like a vicious cycle. And so um, I'm going to use that with her. But how do you help people find more of it? More willpower or yeah. more movement? More willpower. More willpower. Yeah. Okay. So um, I talk about willpower as having three parts. So the classic definition of willpower is the won't power part. Like if you really want to like complain and say something and then you hold your tongue or you really want to eat something, but then you, you don't have that, that second helping, like that, that sense of saying no, that's part of it. Um, but there's also the part of willpower that's about saying yes to investing your time, your energy and attention in something that is consistent with your goals and values. That's like you and me getting up to exercise. That's willpower. As a first time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. <laughs> you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, they keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. And then the thing that I always tell people to start with is the thing that people don't even think about as a component of willpower. And that's the want power. You have to know what matters most to you because otherwise it's so easy to fall into default decision-making. You do what's easiest, you do what your habits are, you do what other people suggest that you do. So if you want to have more ability to say yes to what matters and no to what is a distraction or is self-destructive, you have to be really clear about what your goals and values are. 
And if you're thinking about a specific change, so if the idea of willpower for you is you want to stop vaping or you want to uh, you know, have a different experience of how you're parenting, you want to be more present with your kids instead of distracted on your devices. Like if you have an idea of what that willpower looks like for you to go back to the why behind it, why does it matter to you? What does it say about you? How is it connected to your identity or who you want to become? What do you think the real benefits are? Not the voice in your head that says you should do this or people will judge you if you don't do this, but like the, the real aspiration. If you know what that is, I know it sounds cheesy. People are like, okay, but it'll still be hard to get out of bed in the morning or, but my phone will still be there and the, the notification is going off. Yes, and I promise you, when you're more clear about your values and goals, when that moment arises that is asking you to make a choice that is difficult, you're going to be more likely to A, notice it. Mm -hmm. You're more likely when the notification goes off to actually remember that you have some commitment to not getting distracted by your devices. And you're more likely to have that energy and that, that ability to say no or say yes. Such great advice. Man, um, we could talk for hours, but that was so jam-packed. I think we're going to leave it there and ask for you to do a part two with us at some point because I have a whole other page of questions that I wanted to get to. But um, that was just so incredibly informative and so many great tools for people to use. I can't wait to use them. Um, And... Yeah, un- unbelievable stuff. Um, and if you haven't seen the TED Talk, everybody, you should. We'll put that in the summary as well. And you have a new book called The Joy of Movement. Um, will you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so this is, you know, a lot of people know me as a psychologist and don't know that I've been teaching group exercise for 20 years. Everything from from dance to yoga to mixed martial arts. And um, I really, I believe, and the science shows that exercise is one of the best things that you can do for mental health and resilience and building communities. And so the book is really, it's, um, it's like a love letter to how movement can help us experience the joys of being human, cooperating, mastery, inner strength, celebration, music. Um, and to find a version, a, a way to find a version of movement in your own life that is not about how many calories you can burn to fix a body that you're judging, but that is about, about finding an opportunity in life that connects you to people you care about and the version of yourself that you, that you value and want to express um, and how that's possible at every stage of life. You know, as you said, whether we're talking about recovering or being in treatment for cancer all the way to the end of life, whether you have physical disabilities, severe mental health challenges, all of it, there's a version of choosing to turn to your body as a vehicle for experiencing hope or courage or connection that is possible, whatever body you have and whatever is going on in your life. And so the book sort of looks at like, okay, show me. I just thought of something. So there's that saying of like, all I need is within me now. And there's like a a few different levels of it. And if you really think about it, you could be turning to your body as a resource is what you're sounding like you're saying, right? Like our bodies, if we, if we use them in the way of, okay, I move it, I get these endorphins, I get all these things that are going to fire and wire together and give me energy and confidence and 
Damn, I never thought about it like that. Oh, let me, I know we're just out of time, but let me give you the best example of yes, that. Yes, please. I think about when I exercise, this is, this is such a new scientific finding. Most people really are not aware of it, but it turns out that your muscles are like a pharmacy. So your muscles manufacture all of these different chemicals and proteins, and some of them function as antidepressants. Some of them make your brain more receptive to joy. Some of them make you more resilient to stress. These are chemicals that your muscles manufacture, and they won't release them until you exercise. And when you use your muscles in any form of exercise, walking, swimming, dancing, whatever, your muscles pump out these molecules into your bloodstream where they travel to your brain and can literally change the structure of your brain to help people become more resilient, to deal with things like depression and trauma and addiction. Like talk about using your body as a resource. How amazing is it that your muscles can can be a pharmacy for your mental well-being? Wow. How many times did I say wow today? A lot. (laughs) Me too. Wow. I mean, that just wow. gives me all the motivation that I need to to even attack weights more and to, you know, and to really create that ritual of waking up in the morning. And, you know, because I know it does help my mental health mm-hmm. every day and the anxiety. So, but now even realizing, oh, I could be creating like my little pharmacy, my apothecary and, and, and thinking about it in those ways, Mm. because I, I wrote in one of my books too, like, it's not about being skinny. It's about being healthy, Mm -hmm. but this is like the next level of like the mental health of it all. And I feel like your book, what's so cool is you're going to give us so many reasons we never thought of to exercise. Like if we, if we didn't have enough reasons before, now we're going to be like, all right, no, we have to. Mm -hmm. Yep. And not only reasons, but models, you know, so I go to a dance class for people with Parkinson's disease, a boxing gym for people with physical disabilities. I mean, this is a running club with a woman who's dealing with tremendous grief. I really, I want people to know that this can take a lot of different forms. And so often we, you know, we have these barriers and these obstacles um, because life is difficult or our bodies have challenges, but that doesn't have to The joy of movement is for you. It just is. I miss my ballroom dancing class so much. I miss my boxing. Ah! Okay, so so Maria and I are going to be ballroom dancing and boxing (laughs) with each other now here. Just the two of us. Um, I am going to ask that you come back and we do a whole episode just on the joy of movement Mm -hmm. because I think that would really be beneficial for people. I'd love to hear all those different stories and examples and... uh, I am. Um, I hope we can do that. That would be fun. Great. Thank you so much. Well, thank you um, so much. And we will uh, chat with you soon. Thanks for everything. Take care. You too. Thank you. Wow. 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 So good. Yeah. In our chat, I want to say was resonating so much with us. Yep. We see you guys, um, especially the invisible pain. Yep could be anywhere and that generates empathy we have people in our chat saying this advice could change my life Mm -hmm. what a beautiful way of Mm -hmm. offering insight and compassion so many people thanking kelly for today's show thank you kelly awesome um but man like it just started realizing i I just started realizing at the end i hope you all those chunks i'm like please write this down please write this Mm -hmm. down but just at the end just our body is our resource. Like it was actually a Tony, actually. He has a say, all I need is within me now. Mm -hmm. 
And it was like a spiritual thing. And it was like, we have the power to do whatever we put our mind to kind of thing. But if you think about it now, our body, our our physicality Mm -hmm. can be a resource. And like she said, if you're paralyzed and you can move your hands or like there's so many ways that this is possible. Um, You know, my mom is very challenged Mm. physically, but I'm going to push her now. Even if it is just a few little bicep yep. curls yeah. or just like a little shimmy yeah. for little and just shimmy. and keep yeah. building on that, it's it's so cool because you forget about the endorphins mm. and the endocannabinoids mm-hmm. and all of that. I think it's just amazing to look at our bodies like yeah. a resource, like an apothecary for yep. ourselves. Yep, that is major, yep. major. And I love to. She wasn't pushing exercise 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 she's pushing movement right if you view it as just movement i think that so often people have a negative connotation that's wrapped around the idea or even the wording of exercise right it's like yeah you have to exercise just move yeah just move three minutes walking up and down the stairs just move like i i really loved that so exciting well yay kelly i hope you guys enjoyed that and if it resonated with you and you know other people that it will help please share it with them via social media via whatever route that is helpful for you um and And i'm quickly to only share it but i know that there are those episodes where you hear this and say this could change my life and this is one for me and if you're having that feeling driving in the car right now on your hike whatever it's so helpful for us to get on apple Podcasts and write a review Mm -hmm. all these reviews have such beautiful words this episode was the one that was my breakthrough episode so for those who are listening i'm calling you out if you're (laughs) having that moment it's so helpful get on apple Podcasts, write us that review and um, help other people find the show so they can have their breakthrough Yeah, moments. because when they Amen. go over there and they see a lot of reviews, they're like, oh, maybe this is something I should pay attention to. We are trying to get to 1,000. With your help, we will get there soon. Jeff, before we go, I want to know what your breakthrough is. You know, I just think it's that empathy thing. Like, mm-hmm. she, so she started with compassion meditation. Her early research is in meditation. It is funny because when you study Kelly McGonigal, we will have another episode because there are like five superhero psychology versions of Kelly. Um, but putting out that compassion meditation and letting empathy be the thing that drives your value system to me, that's such a beautiful way to deal with stress. Because if you can say, man, this is a tough moment for me, gosh, there are a lot of people that are having tough moments right now around the world. And I'm connected Mm -hmm. to them through this moment. And if I get through this and when I get through this, I can be helpful to them. That for me is really powerful. I love it. That's kind of how I've dealt with a lot of the most challenging things in my life where I'm like, okay. I remember being in toxic work environments and I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. Mm. I'm going to get out and I'm going to help other people or the tumors or whatever. So I guess subconsciously I'm doing it and didn't know, Mm. but the movement part, Jeff. Oh, 100% too. Are you working out at all or what's, what's the scam here? What's, you know, it's so, I felt called out on this one because (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like Jeff, Jeff. I don't feel like Jeff's moving. (laughs) I know. Uh-oh, that are, maybe that means I look like I've gained a little weight. No, 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 no. I just don't, I just don't know if you have like a, a consistent regimen. Well, I, I need to re-implement it. I was a big runner in high school as a cross-country runner and then through college too. And I feel like Erica yesterday, how she was saying like in her late 20s, she was mm. like, I was a college athlete. I'm like tired of exercise. I sort of empath- like felt a connection with her in yeah. that moment. But she also said, you need to get rid of that because exercise 
isn't an obligation. It's not a chore. It's a vehicle and a tool to make your life so much better. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling uh, Dr. McGonigal's call out there. And, you know, I love my morning runs. I just need to get back into it. And just yeah. move. If you don't yeah. have to say, I'm going to go for a two-mile run. Just walk down the... Dr- like, move. I know. Like, move. today I was like, okay, I'm not going to go for long. Yeah. But then I went for a little longer than I thought. And or, I was like, okay, this is what I can handle today yeah. with my time and yeah. my schedule. But at least I did something. Yeah. And that you can keep building off of. Yeah. So. And All I right. missed Maria. And I was like, I'm still going to walk down the driveway. Yep. She I was still like, did something. I'm walk down this driveway. <laughs> All right, Anyways. guys. Thank you for joining us. As always, you can follow us at, uh, oh, actually, did we give her her plug? We did. Uh, her new book is called The Joy of Movement. Um, it is found wherever books are sold. And we will put the link in the description uh, below. And that is it for us today. Follow us at Kelly McGonigal on Twitter at Kelly Marie McGonigal on Instagram at Jeff Crane Graham at Kel Smyer two at Maria Menunos. And remember, be nice people, make good choices and be present. Hey, Hill Squad, we have been on quite the journey together and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better. And it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it. And we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heal Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heal events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heal Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much, and we love doing this thing called life with you.